You're listening to the Empower to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Dina T, and I'm so excited to take you on a journey through stories of everyday experts as we share the ways we've harnessed the power inside us to improve the quality of our lives and the health of our minds. We're so excited to have you here with us and hope you feel inspired and empowered to heal. Hello, you beautiful souls. I have been doing a lot of thinking lately around the power of human connection and all that it holds in our healing journeys. And there are these moments throughout my life that I connect with others and I walk away feeling the power of that exchange. Like, do you guys ever have moments where you experience a connection with another human being and that it's it's on like this whole completely different level? Like moments where you feel like your soul is connecting with someone and you leave feeling like this powerful ball of energy like radiating through you? Well, these are the types of moments that I feel like I have when I connect with today's guest, Kate Makasham. Kate has this beautiful healing nature about her and this ability to connect and guide people on their own healing journeys. And she spent the last handful of her years of life devoted to honoring these skill sets by honing them and using them to build a clinical framework. She's a life coach. She's a clinical hypnotherapist, an author, a wife. And she's a mother to two beautiful daughters, one of which has autism. And thanks to her journey through raising her daughter with autism, she shares how her life and her her time as a parent has supported her in recognizing the power of her intuition. And she shares how she's learned to refine that power of using her intuition through her own journey, as well as through her journey as a life coach and a clinical hypnotherapist. And so I'm extremely excited today, and I feel so blessed to have her on the show so that she can share her journey with us and enlighten us around how we can tap into our own intuition and our own healing journeys. Hi there, Kate. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the Empower to Heal podcast today. I am just so excited to be here and share some of my stories. (laughs) (laughs) It is an honor to have you on here. I've been reflecting on when we first met. And so our audience doesn't know this, so I'll share a little introduction, but we met through work at Child and Family Support Services, and you came in for an interview of the direct support team coordinator position, and I was interviewing you. And in that meeting, I was just like blown away by the energy that we shared in that meeting. And that might be confusing for people who are listening, but you know, when you're talking to someone and you just feel them, like you just feel like, oh, we're jiving, we're meshing, this is going somewhere. Like that was my experience with you, Kate, when we first met and we started, we talked about so much in that interview, but I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that your energy, your heart, your devotion, your passion completely aligned for helping with helping other people and doing it from like, an authentic, caring, thoughtful, intentional place. It was so powerful. (laughs) Thank you so much. You know, like that, that thing, uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, it was actually on my birthday (laughs) and yeah, it was. So I already (laughs) felt a little bit lucky that it was on my birthday, but when we started talking, it was like, uh, 
you know, when our eyes would meet, there would be like a, a spark. And uh, I came home that night and I said to my husband, Kush, I said, I've got it. I know I've got it. We really, we really connected. There was no doubt that there was some connection there. And it was one of those deeper connections that isn't just, oh, yeah, she realizes what I can do. No, it was sister to sister kind of connection. It was so powerful. And it was in my it, when I look for for people to join me in doing this work, whether that was at CFSS or inviting you onto this podcast, <laughs> like I look for people whose heart and passion and soul is driven, driven to heal and connect with other people. And you just pour that out of you. And there's there's pieces of you that I think other people, when they get to meet you, they see like you are an all-encompassing caring individual and your heart like shines through it's beautiful Kate (laughs) beautiful words thank you so much thank you and so throughout my journey of of knowing you and even just in that first interview I learned a lot about your life and um you had shared with me some some big things that you have overcome throughout your journey in your life and through relationships. And you also shared with me about your child, your daughter, who uh, was diagnosed with autism and mm-hmm. what her journey was, um, finding her way of, of living and experiencing this life in a way that was pleasurable and enjoyable and how you as a mom had to completely shift in your perspective of parenting, in your perspective of communication and expectation and dreams. And in you had this whole new level of, of awareness that, wait a second, like my daughter's life is going to be different. It's going to be magnificent, but it's going to be different. And I remember you taking me on that journey and teaching me throughout the years, throughout the various families we were connected to together. And I was hoping that today you could share with us a little bit about that journey. I can. And it was, um, it was a journey that started, you know, um, the, I, I had, this is signs, you know, like, I always believe in signs. And uh, I've seen a lot of signs in my lifetime. And people need to be aware that um, signs are appearing all the time. So I had a relationship when I was in my teens that turned into a marriage that was not a good uh, match. And uh, so we went our separate ways. I mean, he he was not a good person uh, mm-hmm. for me. And um, so uh, I have to tell you this, because this is so extraordinary. I, I went out to visit my brother who was living in Canada at the time. And because basically, my first husband had thrown me out, which was so hard to believe, because he was the one that was doing a lot of nasty things. But anyway, I went up to Canada to kind of heal myself as Canada always did. And so did my brother. He was a very strong force in my life. And I met this person uh, shortly after, a few months later, uh, I went out and I met this person and he was, (laughs) we went out to a bar, of course, and he was a bartender. And he was working behind the cash and there was some communication mix up with him and the waiter. And so I turned around and I yelled out to him and he looked at me 
And I swear, just like that spark with you, it was like fireworks, fireworks. <laughs> so I, I knew I had met my soulmate at, in that moment. I had never felt like that before. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and it was like we met in February and we were married in July. So, you know, and that wow. was just coming out of another relationship. So, and the funny thing is, well, funny funny kind of weird way <laughs> that he, he was coming out of a relationship as well that had left him devastated and I was devastated coming out of my first marriage and here we meet and it was like we understood each other so much it was like you couldn't you didn't have to say anything mm. I am not going to let anyone ever treat me that way again was on both of our minds mm. so it was like we were in sync from the beginning and I swear if that wasn't the um the truth if that hadn't come to be what we uh experienced afterwards because I I shortly after that we got married in 79 so my first child was born in 80 mm. and <laughs> so uh and and you know, babies, oh, aren't they sweet? I just, uh, <laughs> I felt so blessed. And we had so many friends. Our friend circle was so awesome. The support was there. And uh, about six months after she was born, one of my friends couldn't hold it in any longer and said, you know, there's something different her in her development. And to me, she was just perfect. You know, yeah. like, what, what are you saying? There's nothing. She's perfect. So I, I ended up taking her to a pediatrician and he, um, he said her muscles were kind of uh, uh, delayed in the strength that she needed. If you can picture a baby sitting in a baby seat, you know, one of those reclining baby seats that we used to use all the time. She sat in there with no desire to get out of it until she was about 12 months old, hmm. 12 months. So, and I realized she can't be sitting in this all this time. You know, of course we had her out on blankets and stuff, but if she, if we put her in that seat, she never moved and it took her a long time. And we um, discovered that uh, as she got a little bit older, a little bit older, and finally, at nine months, they said she had autistic tendencies. Mm. And uh, we were, I'd never heard about autism until that point, really. I had been in childcare uh, with typical children. And, uh, you know, that's, I had not been exposed to something like that. Mm. So we went, uh, you know, and started, I started playing with her and doing what I could to help her with her muscle tone. And uh, yeah, we just <laughs> were loving parents, loving each other and loving her. And it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, we did as much as we could in the first couple of years. And then it was suggested she go into a developmental center. I, I still remember the day, and this is why I can have great empathy for other parents who are facing these challenges, is I still remember the day that Kush and I 
sat across from the doctor and he said that uh, your child is never going to achieve anything. Your, your child is going to need special care for the rest of her life. And you might want to start thinking about a residential. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? She's just a baby. She's, I, I think she was about a year and a half at this point. Or oh, two. my gosh. And I'm going to give up my child to a residential. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I can still hear that. And, and us walking out of there thinking, no, no, she's not going anywhere. She belongs with us. Mm. And um, so that kind of was a hard thing to kind of hear. I can't well, even imagine hearing that, right? Because when you're a parent, like your baby is perfect and beautiful and they belong with you and like back off, buddy, right? Like, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and it was totally that way. Um, I had gone, when I went to see another doctor, because I didn't really want to go back to that one anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw another doctor and I told him about how um, I loved her. I loved my baby. And uh, sometimes I would go and take her out of her crib while she was still sleeping because I just wanted to hold her. Yeah. <laughs> and I would hold her and, oh, they're so beautiful in your arms and they're, and they're sleeping and their breath is so sweet. Mm. And I would just sit there and watch her until she woke up. And she'd kind of wake up very slowly and look up at me and she would smile and I would smile back to her as we do as moms and she was just she was perfect to me just perfect just perfect and when I told uh, one of the doctors uh, maybe a year or so later what I used to do he said you know it's like you had uh, an intuition to do that because I really believe that's what she needed. Because uh, usually children who have autism do not have a good, great sense of eye contact. Yeah. And the fact that you were right there when she woke up uh, many, many times. And uh, I think that had something to do with her not having um, the lack of eye contact you very often find. And um, I thought, good, good. It felt it felt good to um, to hear that. Yeah, that's um, like an affirmation, right? Like you hear all oh of this gosh. information that feels like people are dooming you and your child, and then all of a sudden, this beacon of like, no, you're doing it right. Like, yeah. you're doing it right. Uh, and 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 the mother, you know, and her baby. I mean, there's just nothing like it. I think mm. I was. Um, Let's see, I know my girls are, are 20 months apart. So it wasn't long, you know, that we were getting all this information about Jessica that I found out that I was pregnant. Mm. And I thought, uh, which was a surprise. Uh, yes, we, <laughs> but it was, I was surprised. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to take precautions, but I guess they didn't work. And I had to tell my husband that they didn't work and that we have another one coming and I probably would not have had any more children 
because uh, I would have wanted to devote all my time to Jessica. Mm -hmm. And that decision was taken away from me uh, by my higher power, I'm sure of it, who told me in, in so many words, in the fact that I was pregnant, that uh, no, you're, you, you're going to have another one. And what a blessing, because <laughs> if I had decided not to have another child, I think Kush and I would have experienced a lot more guilt mm-hmm. than what we did. You know, parents um, in general, a special of, of children with special needs, do find themselves in guilt. We all do. You know, is there something more we can do? What could I have done better? What, you know, and when I had Melissa, it, she was perfect and she was uh, developing in a typical way. And I, I just have to share this one little story is that um, Melissa and Jessica at night would take a bath together as kids siblings often do Mm -hmm. and so I was getting them ready to go into the tub and first uh, Jessica came and Jessica's now like two two and a half almost three and I have to pull her pants down to get her clothes off so she can go to the bath and I have to pull them down and I lift her leg out of the pants Mm -hmm. and then I go to her other leg and I lift that leg and I take off her pants and, and everything else. And now you're going into the bath. So then Melissa came over to me who, who was walking at this point. And so I start to pull down her pants and she lifts her leg. And I was, I was so shocked. I was so shocked that just that simple, very simple uh, act of lifting her leg so that I can take her pants off and then putting her foot down all by herself Mm -hmm. and lifting the other leg so I can take, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. I, I could not believe it. And she's been doing that ever since, showing me things that I felt I've been a good mom. I've been a good mom. I don't feel, you know, uh, that there was anything more we could do, you know, and you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a beautiful perception to have, right? Like your daughter, Melissa, showed you and affirmed that Jessica doesn't have autism because of you. Jessica is not at her place in development because of you, right? That's not, Mm -hmm. that's not at your hands whatsoever. And I think that that is a beautiful thing to highlight because as you said, as a parent, you always go to yourself first. Like, what could I have done different? What could I have done better? How did this Mm -hmm. happen? Why did this happen? Right. And to, to be able to have an, an alternative experience at the same time, to affirm that, no, it's not you, because that can take up a lot of your energy in a relationship with your daughter when you're always questioning yourself or guilting yourself, right? Do you show up as your best self in that mindset? Usually Mm no. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and so here we were uh, parenting and I think our love together, because as years went by, uh, Kush and I shared a lot of uh, thoughts. I think he has some type of 
you know, uh, what I have, you know, intuition and that. And you don't think of males having that sometimes, you know, being intuitive and being able to think like you think. And uh, to me, uh, he was, he could, he can finish my thoughts and people will relate to this, you know, the, mm -hmm. the man that you marry that you hope that you have that closeness, that relationship. And when you have children and especially a child that is challenged, you know, you depend on a partner and we did depend on one another. We were once asked by the psychologist that we took uh, Jessica too, how are you and Kush doing? You realized that when you have a children, child with special needs, there's a high degree of divorce. There's the, mm. the divorce rate is quite high. So how are you doing? And we were doing just fine. We <laughs> <laughs> have a very we're our sense of humor is very similar and our love of music is very similar. And we discovered that Jessica had a love of music and music is on in our house 24 seven almost. Wow. And he plays the guitar and I play guitar, which our brains kind of took in on one of our first meetings as well, that this is, this is a very, very special relationship and we extended that to our two girls and that's what they grew up with and so we're pretty happy you know Jessica uh, is, is an adult now and so is Melissa Melissa has granted me two grandsons and so we're <laughs> able to do that and still be able to share experiences and we feel very lucky and we feel very blessed that we had all these experiences. Yeah. You mentioned throughout that the power of intuition. And that's been a common thread throughout our time together in this lifetime as well, is this awareness that you have around everything around you and how it's influencing and impacting each other and the poles and the guides that that you follow or you take, right? And Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit more around the practice of intuition and what that what that has meant to you in your life? Because you are you are not just a mama, um, you are not just a grandma and a wife, but you are you're a, an author, and you are a wellness coach, and you are a clinical hypnotherapist, and you you guide <laughs> people on this intuitive journey all the time. And so I'm I'm curious, can you can you guide us a little bit around like? your your development of the power of intuition and harnessing that and honoring that um, and how that served you oh my goodness it was it was a slow process for me to understand that I had an intuition that was extraordinary and I do feel it's extraordinary I uh, didn't realize it when I was younger and but I realized that I had skills and I called them skills back then. I could um, walk into a room uh, because I was in early childhood education that I was in uh, child care centers and I could walk, especially uh, children who were nonverbal because my Jessica has been nonverbal 
all her life. Mm-hmm. No words. Mm-hmm. So I always uh, thank Jessica because I think she released something in me that was beyond the verbal. Her communication with me was very much uh, body language, uh, eyes, uh, actions, pointing. And when it, it, I think it opened up something in me that when I worked in childcare, I could walk into a room and really understand that this child is extremely tired. I think, you know, we should, we should put them down. And I didn't realize back then that it was anything extraordinary. But as we went down, they'd call me into the sleep room and we can't get anybody. Well, no, because these two children need to sleep over here because one is bothering the other. And this one goes to sleep a little bit sooner. And it was just like, uh, it was like I could hear, mm-hmm. you know, what they, what the, or feel what the children were feeling. Wow. And, yeah. And it was very overpowering sometimes. <laughs> I can <laughs> <Very>. imagine. <laughs> well, you know, children, you know, and you've got maybe uh, 15 of them all together. So it's all 15 voices saying mama, mama, mama. Um, and I I just would go, oh, my goodness. This is I think I think everyone thing needs to be calmed down a little bit. And I would kind of lower the lights maybe put on some lullabies and the the children would calm themselves down even without words mm-hmm. we just felt each other so I was starting to understand like why can't like why do I always have to come in and do this you know <laughs> shouldn't the staff know how to do this you know like <laughs> I'm not doing anything special you know I'm just putting them you know listen to them and I didn't realize that they couldn't hear them. And so that was a, a very eye-opening thing for me to do. And it became obvious uh, that that skill kept on in no matter what work I did, no matter which home I went to visit, where, wherever I met someone who had a need, I could voice it. And so... I felt very um, privileged to do that, but I felt like I had a duty to be there for children, mm. especially when they weren't being listened to. And, uh, and so as I uh, grew into it a little bit, um, I just used it all the time. I, I didn't really put it down as um, anything special. As you're describing that, I'm I'm sitting here thinking how other people may classify this. And this can be classified as being extremely empathic, right? Um, mm-hmm. This could be classified as being a highly sensitized or sensitive individual. And I can relate in so many ways to what you're sharing <laughs> right now. And I realize within myself that this ability to connect and feel people around me is heightened or even numbed, depending on my sense of emotional regulation and control and ability to calm myself. And so coming from the field that we both um, have mm-hmm. worked in and the families that we have worked with, 
when I go out to a family's house and there's a crisis and there's police there and a child escalated or um, just big moments, if I don't do some things to ground myself and take deep breaths and slow myself down, I can't, I can't, I can't weed through the bigness of things to assess and feel and know what I have to focus on, right? And there's this like, like symbiotic relationship that happens with the world where you can open up these channels of hearing and experiencing people around you when mm-hmm. you yourself are grounded and in tune with your own body and what you need. And you can treat and organize that first so that you can, you can almost wade through the things that people get distracted or hyper fixated on and get to the reality of what's happening faster. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I have seen you uh, in your work, you know, and I believe that you do, you do the same thing. It's like the vibrations come to you, the, what, whatever that energy is, if it's positive, you're, you're happy. And if it's negative, it's like, I have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And you feel that. So you ground yourself and become calm. And all of a sudden, the vibes are going the other direction. Yes. You yes. know, and those vibrations are going towards the uh, source of the negativity. Mm-hmm. And I, I have seen you do the same, you know, do that. And that's how I feel that I have been able to do with families as well. And it's just to have this, it's sort of very strange, isn't it? You know, trying to explain it. Yes, (laughs) it is. And I think of that in the terms of the social work field and helping professions as a whole, like us as individuals who devote our lives to helping other people, I feel Mm -hmm. that many of us have this skill set. It just gets buried or convoluted with the stress and the emotions of others if we don't know how to organize ourselves to get through that. If we don't know how to ground and literally hone in on our self-regulation in order to navigate the bigness of what we do every day. And I think of this in terms of like, like nurses, right? Doctors, mm-hmm. social workers, counselors, police officers or firefighters, if they they are approaching things from that emotional connection standpoint with the people they're engaging with. And you can so easily reach a, a realm, especially as a parent raising a child with, with unique needs, you can reach a realm of overwhelm and disconnected or fried and exhausted so easy if you don't find a way to navigate yourself first, right? Exactly. You know, that you bring up such an important point is these vibrations aren't just coming back and forth, back and forth without a lot of energy being spent by you, Mm -hmm. you know, by myself. And yes, it can exhaust a person. I think you know, as I, I took, uh, went into studying for my life coaching and my hypnotherapy, that's, that's where it became a little bit more, because um, I went to a spiritual place, mm-hmm. I began to think of this, someone mentioned, you know, start teaching us about 
em- empathy, which I knew about, but mm-hmm. being an empath. <laughs> and okay, what is being an empath? And basically, uh, I think we all, I think we all have the capability to do it, but it's when you open your mind to it and discover that uh, you take on the energy, the emotional energy from another person in a very high degree. And there's a lot of us that are out there, but there could be so much more because not everyone is going in that direction. You know, yeah. they're, they're doing other things. They're, they're going along their path and they're doing just fine. But why, why, why me? You know, why me? Why, why is my mind opening up? And I think it's because we've already discovered that we can vibrate. We can, we can send out positive emotional vibrations. And so <laughs> that means we get to receive them too. And that can be very difficult. You have to protect yourself because it just is exhausting. And if you don't take care of how much of this negativity comes back to you, you know, you can find yourself really uh, needing a lot of uh, rest. Absolutely, you can. So, Kate, when you share about the vibrations, it makes me think about like your role as a hypnotherapist and you're a clinical hypnotherapist, you're a wellness coach, but you've devoted so much of your life around training the brain and navigating energies and supporting people in navigating the energies of their own life and their subconscious, right, to heal and grow. And can you share with us a little bit about the science behind that and what that looks like in your practice? Well, uh, the science behind it, of course, deals with the brain and the conscious, the subconscious and the unconscious. And uh, during our studies, we take a look at each one and discover that the conscious part, I think everybody knows about the conscious part, but most of our memories, most of our uh, experiences are found in the subconscious part. Mm. And so what a hypnotherapist will do is to have a person go into a sleep-like state, which allows the conscious to kind of go to sleep. Get out of the way, conscious. We want to talk to the subconscious. We want to hear what the subconscious may need uh, or may want to um, purge or may want to remember. And so it allows us to go into the subconscious and discover, uh, you know, maybe that one thing that the uh, person needs to be confident maybe uh, to stop a habit. Mm. So when I have a person receiving uh, services from me during a session that we're doing this, I am able to redirect my uh, positive vibrations at the same time. I am conscious, (laughs) because my conscious is awake, I'm conscious that this is working when I see uh, the person uh, awaken 
and is able to tell me about the wonderful uh, experience they had. Mm. Um, again, it's one of those things that's hard to explain. And of course, uh, with hypnotherapy, people have said, well, they, they know the entertaining hypnotherapy. Yeah, you like see the people put <laughs> under and they're like acting like a chicken or doing something embarrassing. And they're like, oh, I had no idea I did it. Like, <laughs> it's always the chicken, you know? <laughs> always the chicken so so this part is uh very much uh what we want to talk about because there's no chickens where i work you're not going to make anybody balk no. <laughs> and and truth be known you can't uh your mind will not allow you to do anything that you do not want to do and so you think of those entertaining factors hey everybody wanted to have fun so they allowed their bodies to do that, you know, and uh, to be suggestive. But your body's going to check in with you. Hey, do you know this is happening? Oh, you do. Okay, we'll, we'll go by, you know, like, we'll let you do it. Mm -hmm. But uh, so in a hypnotherapy session, uh, you're completely safe. And uh, your subconscious is going to keep you safe. And if any thing happens that you didn't want uh, a question to be asked or uh, any anything that you did not want to be talk about your your conscious is all of a sudden going to go hey wait a minute I'm awake now because I didn't want to do that hmm. I, I can equate that to just very quickly I can equate that to when people drive now this doesn't happen to everyone but I bet you it happens to the majority where they are driving along in their car and then you start daydreaming and then like two minutes go by and you're wondering, how did I get from there to here? You know, what happened? I don't feel like I fell asleep. No, you didn't fall asleep. You went into the subconscious for a minute or two, but your conscious was still riding along. And as soon as something changed, you were alert. You know what I mean? Yeah, I <laughs> I feel like I have a problem with doing that. And that's me not being present enough in the given moment. But I I will literally make it home from work. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, yeah. That was 25 minutes. Like, wait a second. Thank goodness it was smooth sailing. Like. <laughs> But it's, exactly. <laughs> I didn't I have never thought of it through the lens of like, no, when you need to perk back up and get your brain to be attentive, like your consciousness steps in and takes control again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially in the case where all of a sudden, you know, something of a ball may come out to the road and it's different and you're mm -hmm. instantly alert. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. So it works that way. And so that's what happens during hypnotherapy is and that, yes. Can you use hypnotherapy in the lens of organizing? So you can organize your emotions, you can organize past like experiences, habitual patterns. Um, but what about like, as an empath, as like I, I do this thing where like I'll look to my husband or like be in a moment and I feel like, like, nah, I'm peeling this, this off of my chest because this is not mine. And I literally do the moment, like the motion of like 
taking it off my chest and throwing it, like throwing it to the side, like that ain't mine. That's somebody else's feeling right there. And I got to separate myself from that for a second. And I, I, I grab my chest a lot when I'm talking because I feel it heavily in my chest and, and in my neck, I can sense and experience other people there. And when I'm wondering, it can hypnotherapy be like an intervention utilize or a technique utilized to help strengthen like that connection of what's yours, what's not yours and how to, to keep what's yours and get rid of what's not. Yes. In a a short answer. Yes. Uh, (laughs) What you're doing as you're peeling off things and sometimes uh, people will imagine a pair of scissors cutting strings Mm -hmm. to let them go, you know, Uh, you're actually using guided imagery uh, as you're because you're imagining something on your chest and then imagining getting rid of it Mm -hmm. and our body uh, will take in negative energy Uh, sometimes it could be the the weakest part of our body or it could be like we talk about throat the throat and we um gosh we could get into chakras and everything else but you have (laughs) you have yeah you have certain energies throughout your body going from the top of your head to your root the base of your spine and sometimes if we're having difficulty talking to someone or we're imagining that we're going to be speaking and our throat you know, is not going, is not going to work. We can uh, just imagine how well our throat will work. And in a hypnotherapy session, we're actually addressing that need to have that throat cleared of any blocks. And we can do that with any part of our body because those energies do manifest themselves in a part of the body. And it could be our heart, you know, it could be our our top of our head. Yeah. Every single like energy-based healing individual I've spent time with or engaged with around a modality of healing, every single one of them have said that my my throat chakra is like blocked. Like there's a lot of energy built up there that needs to come out. And um every single one for years. And I'm like, all right, guys, I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) They're telling you that? Yes. They're telling me that like from Reiki work that I've had done to like the body work, like physical body work that I've had done to breath work that I do to like just engagements with people who are in a a healing profession, uh, like a energy-based healing profession, every single one of them (laughs) have said that to me. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I feel like this podcast is a way for me to like start opening some of that up and like releasing and letting out. But it has been this like common denominator. And so when you say like hypnotherapy can be used for that, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Come on, Dina, get going. (laughs) (laughs) Have I got a session for you? All right. (laughs) (laughs) that's so true and 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 blockages occur in the heart and sometimes they manifest in the stomach in your digestion and there's a lot of people who have digestive issues but it could be because of something uh that's blocking it 
Yeah. I think of mm -hmm. the power of emotions impacting our body. Um, all of us in this world who have experienced stress, which I believe is everybody, has felt the physical, somatic, bodily experiences of that emotion, whether that's the tightness in our muscles or the nausea or the vomiting that we might get, the upset stomachs, our bodies shaking. There's headaches, migraines, like people have these somatic bodily like experiences due mm -hmm. to the psychological stress that they're under and the emotional stress that they're under. And I think that, that that's a layman's way of looking at energy and chakras and the impact of emotions and life on our body. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. And, and, you know, one session can do so much with the with the energy in your body you know just realigning the chakras and i love doing that stuff like that because then it's just so apparent when they're uh, they're awake they basically tell you how they feel and uh it's been very very successful just uh it's hard to explain but it's yeah. it's all in the imagery and the emotions and the energy that I project as well. So did you, how did you come to the idea that clinical hypnotherapy was going to be your jam? Like, did you experience a hypnotherapy session that was like foundational for you in your journey or how did you, how were you pulled in that direction? I think it was because, uh, in going to this, uh, college, which, uh, is a healing institute you know, that's what they do best. You know, they have the Reiki, they have the, the massage and, um, and I had wanted to become a life coach. And so I was directed to this, this college that happened to be down the street from where I work. Talk about signs, you know, <laughs> and, and I went and anyone who goes there, uh, there's an energy that you feel as soon as you walk in the door. So true. And, Yes. And you've been there. Yes. And yeah. it's, uh, you feel that. And uh, so you're conscious of how your body is responding to this. And at the more my body responded, life coaching was good. But there is a source of guided imagery, a little bit less than hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. but very, very um, uh, works wonders. And they did that with us during life coaching and I liked that and it opened up my mind even further so that we, I started taking some courses in hypnotherapy but the one thing that really told me that I was on the right path was one t uh, one day I had a young man who had autism and he was so afraid of thunderstorms so afraid of thunderstorms basically because he was afraid that the light that the electricity would go out mm -hmm. and then he wouldn't be able to use any of his devices that provide him with coping skills mm -hmm. and that caused him great anxiety and fear mm -hmm. and so uh he came to me and he he talked to me and told me about his fears 
And he was shaking. He was vis visibly shaking as he's talking about the thunderstorm, the thunder and the lightning. And and I said, okay, I I, I I'm I'm getting what you're talking about. That that's hard. But then as I had him in session, and I was able to um, use his own words in positive ways during the session that when he was awakened, I looked at him and I said, how do you feel? He said, I feel okay. Mm. And he did, he looked, he looked so good. And I said, so uh, what do you think might happen the next time uh, that there's a thunderstorm? And he said, oh, no problem. I'm, uh, you know, I keep a drawer full of batteries. And so I'm always going to be able to use at least one or two of my devices. I'll always have, uh, I'll just keep the drawer full of batteries. And he was so calm, so wow. calm and telling that. And I just looked at him and I thought, this, this is something else, you know, that I have to do more of this because the peace he felt, I wanted everyone to feel. And so that's what I'm hoping to be able to do for others. That is so beautiful, Kate. It's amazing to hear that we can quiet a fear like that, especially in a brain with autism, right? Exactly. Like a brain, and I don't know if our listeners may, they may not completely know what autism is. And so we can kind of go into that a little bit here, but the, the neuro network of the mind is um, different than a neurotypical child in the way that there's, there's, um, the neurons and dendrites that speak to each other and communicate in your brain, um, there's a plethora of them. They don't, they don't prune off as they should as you grow so that you are almost like constantly firing inside your brain and taking in information at an overloaded like rate. And your brain can cause your body to have like a, a freak out, right? Like you can walk outside and, and feel the sunlight, the brightness of the sunlight, hear the sounds of the cars, hear the, the air conditioning unit kick on the crunch of somebody walking on the sidewalk, the horn of a car, the, all of those things. And then it's like, ah, in your ears and in your body and your brain, and it can create physical ailment and sickness and anger and in a response that's overwhelming and at the same time all like there's there's components of of autism where like Kate shared with her daughter Jessica where you you developmentally get halted or your mus like your muscle tone is weakened your ability to manage the coordination of your body right is influenced and there's mm -hmm. a, a it's called the autism spectrum because there's a spectrum of ability when you have autism so some people are what we would call like like high functioning and they they can talk and they can walk and engage and go about their life with coping skills and mechanisms that makes it tolerable and and you can have as typical of a life as you can, right? As many do. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where it comes with like, you can't communicate with your words using the language of the people around you. You have to develop your own communication system. You can't get what's inside out that you could have like your muscle tone, like you were describing with Jessica when she was younger and she was more mm -hmm. like laid back and relaxed in her muscles and the rigidity of the muscles can be like that, or they can be really tense. And so you can have this whole spectrum. And is there more you want to add to that, Kate, to help people understand what, what that is? 
Well, I think you did a, a fantastic job. I couldn't do any better to add to it. Uh, the part I, I want to just kind of talk about is that the parent, the parent of this child that's, that's, we have a communication. And I think we talked about that, how any mother has a communication with their ch child. And, uh, but having that communication with a child with autism can be difficult, but yet is there. Mm -hmm. And people will come up to you as, as people have come up to me and have told me stories about Jessica having an effect on the progress another child is making yeah. with, with his emotions, because here is a person that needs him and he's, he's taking her hand at school to guide her outside to go Aww. to that. And they had never seen a side to this child before that was that um, kind and patient. They saw a brand new child. Or we had the teenager who was a volunteer in her classroom and took uh, a very, you know, uh, took a warmth, the kindness. He, he really liked Jessica and worked with her. And, you know, and uh, this, this is going to sound a little morbid, but uh, I just have to share it because this young man uh, was working with Jessica for most of the school year. And he was driving home from the school one day and his lunch fell off the seat and he went to grab it. And mm. he was in an accident and he was killed instantly. And oh. in, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, and in the obituary, because uh, he was just young, he was 16 or 17. In the obituary, it mentioned how he hadn't had a, a long enough life to really have many relationships, but they wanted to mention the one that he had with Jessica oh. is, you know, like that, that I couldn't believe it, you know? <sighs> and so I know Jessica has made her, her mark, you know, even without saying a word, <sighs> she has made so many marks that have affected people all over. And so I just wanted to share that to the mothers out there and the fathers out there that, um, the impact that mm -hmm. your child has, no matter what he's doing or, you know, like whether he talks, whether he doesn't talk, there's an impact that they have that you may never know. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that have taught Jessica a lot of things that I will never know. And I wow. appreciate it. What a beautiful story. It also makes me think through the lens of you view your child not through her, what she's not capable of or what disabilities, right? That word disabilities she has, mm -hmm. but rather through the lens of what she is capable of and what abilities she has. Like when you see your child and when you see other human beings in the lens of understanding what they can do and the power that they do hold rather than being all consumed by what they can't do in comparison to others, you see a different child when you look like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they need, they need that look. They mm -hmm. need that, 
and you do too. Mm-hmm. You need to understand how how beautiful she is. I remember people are are you know they're innocent, and sometimes they don't understand how powerful the words they are uh, that they say are. And one um, there was one time that I had a um, handicapped uh, sticker that thing hanging from the mirror. I had mm-hmm. one uh, because Jessica had a hard time walking. So. So we had one for our car and it was Christmas. I remember it being Christmas. And so everybody was out and about and I parked the car and was taking Jessica out of the car. And this mother uh, who had been walking through the parking lot. So obviously her car was somewhere beyond, but she happened to look at me and the, the spot that I was in. And she said to me, oh, you're so lucky to have that handicap. <laughs> and I kind of looked at her. I, I, I was speechless. I, I, I didn't know what to say. Um, okay. I'm lucky. Okay. <laughs> but this, this is sometimes words are just sort of flung out into the air and you, you think, you know, I wonder if she wished she had taken those words back as she yeah. could. Cause I mean, it just, it didn't, <laughs> yeah do the what she wanted I'm sure but um but it's funny it's funny that what is being said to parents you know for one way or another we in our work we see it all the time and it's just things that make you shake your head <laughs> absolutely absolutely as we're all sitting here listening to your story today uh, you provide you have a book that's out a children's book that's out you have a wellness coaching business you have a clinical hypnotherapy business how do people find you if they want to connect if they want to to receive your services and and learn more about your journey and um, be be helped and healed along in their journey Oh boy. Um, I do have a website. Uh, and if you can remember, it's sunflowermooncoaching.com, sunflowermooncoaching.com. And uh, there's a short blurb of me, my story, and uh, my services. And uh, that's one way that they can get most of it. You can, it, it tells you my email. So that's probably the best way to start. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I'll put that link in the show notes of this episode so that anybody listening, if you want to um, go out and find Kate, and I highly encourage you to, you can mm-hmm. connect through that. And then Kate, amidst a pandemic, um, your services, are they uh, virtual or how can people um, receive your services and still feel safe? They are virtual. I've been doing uh, many sessions uh, to find out how that would work. And so my friends of mine have volunteered and I discovered that doing it virtual is just uh, the same as being right in my chair. So uh, I can, I urge anyone to, to come and, uh, and partake of a session and there's specials going on right now for the month of February. So come and take a look at my website. There's so much there. (laughs) You can also, my book is also advertised on my website as well. And uh, yes, it's a children's book as long as it's children one through 99. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> Very beautiful. Well, Kate, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today and teaching us about your journey and providing hope and enlightenment for many others who are on similar journeys. I appreciate you so much, Dina. I've been listening to your other podcasts and my heart is full. I mean, people need to be reaching each other on this level. And uh, I thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. I hope you are feeling inspired and empowered in your own healing journey. I know that many of you listening might be reflecting on your own stories that you may feel called to share. If so, please reach out to me at dinat at empowertoheal.com. That's D-E-N-A-T at empower2heal.com. Or drop me a message through my Instagram handle at empower2heal. I would love to connect with you and learn about your journeys so that we can hopefully continue to spread these powerful life lessons on empowering ourselves to heal. My contacts will also be linked in the show notes below so that you can easily find me. We are so eager to start a movement in showcasing the many ways we can heal. And you can be part of this movement too by capturing images and tagging them hashtag empower the number two heal on Instagram. We look forward to seeing all the ways that you are empowered to heal. I love you beautiful souls and thank you so, so much. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and review. 